0: Welcome to the Denver Community Church Teaching Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us today from wherever you are. Whether you attend one of our Denver locations or listen online, our hope is to explore and participate in the life of Jesus so that we can be a healing presence in our world. As you listen to this teaching, allow it to begin a conversation between you and God, you and the Bible, and you and your community. If you have any questions about DCC or this teaching, You can email us at info at denverchurch.org. And if you'd like to financially support our community and beyond as we set aside 20% of every dollar given to support our partners locally and around the globe, you can text the words Denver Church to 77977. That's Denver Church to 77977. Thank you for joining us today. Before we get to this week's podcast, we want to take a brief moment to talk a little bit about giving. June 30th marks the end of our fiscal year. It's a time for us to pause, reflect in gratitude, and celebrate what your generosity has accomplished over the past year as we look forward in hopeful anticipation to the year ahead. Thank you for all you've given in your time, talent, and finances to bring about the healing work that God has entrusted to us. Now in the spirit of our deeply held values of authenticity and transparency, we want to share with you all that we are behind our expected giving for the year. Know that all we do in and through Denver Community Church is only made possible by the financial support of those who call DCC home. To all those who have given faithfully over the past weeks, months, and years, thank you for entrusting us and partnering with us in this vital work. And if you call DCC home but have not yet considered giving financially, we ask that you would prayerfully discern joining us in supporting the healing work to which we are called. You can learn more about how we steward our finances by emailing us at info@denverchurch.org, And if you'd like to begin giving right now, you can start the process by texting Denver Church to 77977. Again, thank you for all that you give.
1: Good morning. Uh, if we haven't yet met, my name is Becca Stewart, and I serve as the pastor of spiritual formation here at DCC. And before we uh, jump into our teaching this morning, I just want to make a quick plug. Hopefully, you've been hearing us talk about summer supper groups. Those start this week, which means that the signups will officially be pulled um, off of being online, I think, this afternoon. I don't know what exactly time that is. But if that's something you're interested in, you can go see Amanda afterwards back in the Participate area and sign up. And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago my husband and I are hosting one. We do it a little bit more like wine and dessert on our back patio. And um, we do it specifically for young adults. And I've been amused by how many people have reached out to me to define young adult. So I am just going to give you the parameters. 20-somethings or like early to mid-ish 30-somethings. There might be like some exceptions like You're married to a young adult or something like that. But if you're looking to get in a relationship with a young adult and you are not one, I'm so sorry. There are other options for you. So, hey, you're not the only one, Christy. Christy is one of those people. (laughs) Um, Okay. This morning, we're continuing with this season of teaching that we've been in where we're working our way through the Gospel of Luke. And I personally love the section that we find ourselves in. The stories of Jesus in his day-to-day life and ministry. And I think I've always loved these stories, but especially over the last several years as trusted guides and mentors have led me into interacting with these stories in new and fresh ways, ways that engage my imagination and invite me into the story, not just as a spectator, but actually as a participant, ways that have allowed me, through the lens of Jesus, to rewrite incorrect narratives I have about God and myself. If we want to know what God is like and how it is that God views us and relates to us, we just simply need to get to know Jesus. The book of Colossians tells us that the Son, or Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. And John 1.18 says that no one has ever seen God, but that Jesus, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with God, has made God known. The person of Jesus we see in the Gospels gives us the clearest picture of what God is actually like. But there's something else that Jesus can show us. Ourselves. While Jesus reveals what God is like, he simultaneously reveals who we are, and who we can become, because he is the model of what it is to be most fully human, and that's the goal. That's the journey we each are invited into as Christ followers, to become most fully human or most to fully who God has created us to be. And so these stories are an invitation both to see God and see ourselves in the truest and deepest of ways if we will allow them. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Um, And typically, we invite you to read along with us. And if you want to do that, that is fine. You are welcome to do that. But I want to encourage you maybe to do something different today. If you feel comfortable, I'd like you to close your eyes and work your imagination muscle a bit. And as you listen to this short story about this interaction between Jesus and this man, I want you just to imagine it. Imagine this scene and what this encounter was like. Consider their body language, their posture, what it must have felt like for them and for the people around. So if you're willing, you can close your eyes. And again, this is Luke chapter 5, verses, I think, 12 through 16. This is what it says. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. All right, if you close your eyes, you can open them back up. In this section of Luke, we find Jesus making his way around Galilee, a region located in northern Israel. He's proclaiming the gospel, or the good news of the kingdom, in word and deed. And along the way, he comes across this man with a skin disease. Now, historically, leprosy, or what's known today as Hansen's disease, was feared as highly contagious and a devastating disease. Although now we know that it's actually hard to spread, and is easily treatable once recognized, it still tends to carry a lot of stigma. In the ancient mind, Skin disease was the consequence of certain sins, and so in Jesus's day, leprosy was primarily a social disease in the sense that those who had it were seen as impure and separated from others. Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 outlines how someone with a defiling skin disease was to be identified and treated. Leviticus 13 verses 45 through 46 tell us this, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes let their hair be unkept, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Now, additionally, the Talmud required that the leper had to stay six feet away from other people and 150 feet when there was wind. And according to the Mishnah, anyone who touched a leper was near a leper, touched anything that a leper had touched, or even entered the house of a leper was considered unclean. And so as a result, even Jewish rabbis avoided lepers. Now, up to this point, point, according to Luke, Jesus had done several outstanding things, healing everyone from Simon's mother-in-law to a demon-possessed man and performing this over-the-top miracle with that big catch of fish that Maggie talked about last week. Word had gotten around that, that Jesus, about Jesus, and so maybe it should be no surprise to us that this man who was covered in leprosy would have heard about this or maybe even witnessed something himself and would take this very vulnerable risk in asking Jesus to consider healing him too. Now, there's probably multiple ways that we could approach this story and deduct some sort of meaning or lesson from it. Often in my experience of church, what we do is we approach the text in a very academic way, We study it, we make observations, and then we pull out principles or truths to consider, right? The man was sick and marginalized, and Jesus was able to heal him. Therefore, Jesus is powerful and cares for the outcast. And that's not untrue, and that approach to the text isn't all bad, but it has a way of keeping the discovery external, something to sort of check a box on or you know, rather than actually live into. It might sit nicely in this intellectual part of us, but rarely penetrates deeply enough to transform our very being. If our study of the Bible helps us learn something about Jesus, but doesn't invite us to know Jesus intimately, something is missing. These stories are more than just a text to be studied. They're an invitation to know Jesus and to be known by Jesus, And so what if we understood this story as something that we are invited into, to find ourselves in? What if this isn't just a story about a diseased man or about Jesus, but also about us? What does this leper's experience of Jesus invite us into? If I can put myself in his shoes, what will it show me about how God views me, interacts with me? What does it want to expose about how I tend to approach God and what might hold me back? And what about Jesus? Now, the idea of finding ourselves in the place of Jesus in these stories might seem a little weird or maybe even wrong. But if Jesus is our model of what it is to be most fully human, how might Jesus's life invite us more fully into who we were created to be? And so imagine this again with me. This man showing up on the scene, torn clothes, messy hair, bottom of his face covered, expected to keep a distance from everyone, and yelling out, unclean, unclean. He sees Jesus and immediately with his face falls to the ground and begs Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And the text tells us that in response, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches the man saying, I am willing, be clean. And immediately, the leprosy leaves him. Now, if you're familiar with the stories of Jesus, you know it's not uncommon for Jesus to touch those he interacts with. Often when Jesus heals someone, it mentions his hands being placed on them. But it's not a prerequisite for healing. In fact, earlier in Luke, we read the story about Jesus healing the demon-possessed man with the authority of his words alone. He never touches that man. But here he does. In fact, it's the first thing Luke tells us that he does before saying, I am willing, and actually healing him. In the story, it says that he reaches out his hand and touches him, which reveals just how close this man had become and had come toward Jesus, even though he was expected to stay six feet away. Jesus touches this untouchable. Jesus knew that part of what it meant for this man to be healed and loved was to be touched. Who knows how long it had been since this man had had human contact or had last been this close to another human. And as a result, not only was his skin sick, I'm not sure how many of you might be picking up on the unexpected ways in which we may be able to relate to this guy. Perhaps pre-COVID we would have thought nothing of it, but a guy who must cover the lower part of his face and stay six feet away so as to not infect others. Why would Jesus be so quick to reach out and touch him? When the the pandemic first began and life went into lockdown and we began these practices to prevent the spread of COVID, a friend's son, who was four at the time, began asking when touch day would be. This is what he called the day when the, the pandemic would officially be over, and it meant that he could touch again. Now, COVID life has been a lot of things, but this boy instinctively knew he could emphasize a significant loss in all of this that we were made for human contact and that we actually suffer without it. In fact, there is a real neurological phenomenon called skin hunger. Research has found that missing out on regular human touch can have some serious and long-lasting effects. According to one article, studies have shown that people who are significantly devoid of human contact or who resist or avoid touch could be at higher risk for experiencing depression and stress. They're likely to be less happy more lonely, and in general, have worse health. In other words, the lack of human touch can have profound emotional, even physical consequences. Now, if we will allow it, this one little act of Jesus touching this man can tell us so much about him and therefore about God. We may have been taught, right, that Jesus or that God became human, took on flesh and blood. And we even give it an important sounding theological term. We call it the incarnation. And then perhaps we sort of leave it there. But what does it really mean for us that God and Jesus is so embodied, so attuned, so intimately aware of his own humanity and the humanity of those around him, Jesus didn't just want people to understand some sort of theological truth about who he was. He wanted them to experience the reality of the kingdom in their very body and being. Jesus knew, and not just because he was God, but from his very real personal experience, that to be human is to be on a holistic and integrated, embodied journey of becoming, a journey of formation our day-to-day realities, the seemingly small choices and habits, the environments we find ourselves in, the people we surround ourselves with, or maybe the people we don't surround ourselves with, all of this is forming us. At any given time, we are participating in life in such a way as to either move towards or away from our full humanity, toward or away from who God created us to be. And so I can't help but wonder, What has this season done to us? What has it formed in us? We may have never actually walked around yelling, unclean, unclean, but in some ways, have we unconsciously come to view others in this way? Maybe to view ourselves in this way? Now, please know, I don't mean for this to be some sort of critique on how we handle the pandemic. If you saw me before, I'm wearing a mask. I'm choosing to wear a mask today. That's not what this is about. I think we've had to do what we've had to do, and COVID is still very much present. What I want you to hear me say is this. If we move forward with our lives, and now this is the new default or our new posture, without intentionally engaging and considering how it has and how it keeps shaping us, how will that play out? Perhaps the leper here invites us to consider the ways in which we have become untouchable, the ways in which we have distanced ourselves or been distanced from, and how this is informing our understanding of ourselves, others, and God. Are there parts of us in this season that have gone into hiding? Maybe on some level we have decided that the effort and risk of relationship is not worth it, or maybe something we're even capable of. Have we become more closed off, more likely to see others as a threat to defend ourselves against, rather than a gift to move towards and receive? How close are we willing to get to others? How close are we willing to let others get to us? And how are we feeling about physical touch? And by that, I mean safe, appropriate touch, touch with permission. I realized that some of us have had unwelcome touch in our lives, touch that harmed rather than healed. And as I was preparing for this, it got me thinking about why Jesus Jesus would choose to touch this man when he healed him, but not the demon-possessed man. And I can't prove this, but I can't help wonder if Jesus, in his full humanity, which to me includes realities like having an exceptional EQ, being incredibly attuned to others, If he instinctively knew that the demon-possessed man, a person whose sickness was brought on by outside parties overstepping and invading his personal boundaries, did Jesus know that what that man most needed in that moment was not to be touched? He did not need someone or something else moving into his physical space. What he needed was to have those unwelcome parties removed. Touch could come later when it was appropriate and welcomed, but this was different. For the man covered in leprosy, his was a different kind of suffering. He had been distanced from people, distanced from physical contact. In Jesus touching this man, he is saying, I see you and your situation, and I want to care for you. It's not just your soul that matters to me, but your whole emotional and physical well-being. Jesus sees us. And cares for us. But do we actually believe that to be true? Is this how we experience God? In this story, I'm struck by the fact that the leper does not, does not doubt Jesus' capability in healing him. He knows he is able. What's in question here is whether or not Jesus is willing. Again, the text tells us that this man says to Jesus, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And in response, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches this man, saying, I am willing. What does it mean for us that the God of the universe in human form was not just capable of, but actually willing to heal? What an incredibly vulnerable question. Are you willing? Meaning, do you want to? Do you desire to? Which is really to ask, do you desire me? Am I desirable? Am I worthy of your attention and time? According to Luke, Jesus does not dilly dally here. His response is quick and confident I am willing. Jesus looked at this man who had been labeled and left out and loved him, desired his good, desired his healing, found him desirable. In Jesus, we see a God who is a personal being, one who feels and has emotions. God doesn't just love us because, and, and move towards us because God has to, but because God wants to. In Jesus, we see a God who is compassionate and kind, one who is deeply attuned to our most intimate realities. In Jesus, we see a God who is not bound by social norms, who is not blinded by stigma, God sees both who we truly are and who we can become. In ancient Hasidic wisdom, there's a saying that every time we walk down the street, we are preceded by a host of angels singing, make way, make way for the image of God. And I can't help but wonder if Jesus, when the man yelled out, unclean, unclean, if all Jesus heard was the singing of angels, make way, make way for the image of God. Well, the leper, in this story, invites us to boldly pursue our own healing. Jesus invites us here to become a healing presence in the world. Perhaps as we practice emulating the leper by vulnerably bringing our full selves to a willing God, it actually frees us up to emulate Jesus and willingly offering ourself in service to the world around us, becoming the kind of people who create space for others to bring their full selves into. Jane Vernard, in her book, Fully Awake and Truly Alive, offers this simple definition of service. She says, the practice of service is simply the willingness to respond. The practice of service is simply the willingness to respond. And she goes on to say this. My lived experience of service as response matches the concept of hinani, the Hebrew word translated, here I am. Hinani is found in multiple places in the Hebrew scriptures, And the rabbis of the Talmud taught that we respond to God, to the highest call in the universe, when we are present. I think presence is the word we might use today to describe the highest calling to first respond to God and from there to others. Here I am, present to you. Hineni. I love that. What was required for the leper's healing, both on the part of the diseased man and on the part of Jesus, was simply presence. The leper moved toward Jesus and said, here I am. And in response, Jesus moved toward the leper and said, here I am. I wonder today for you, when you say, here I am, what does that mean? Saying here begs the question, where? Where are you? Are you present to yourself and to God, to your place of being? Are you living in the present? In COVID, how has your here been impacted? Has it gotten smaller? Has it become more isolated? Has here become something to avoid and escape from? And I am begs the question, who are you? When you offer yourself in service to the world around you, do you know what exactly is yours? to offer? What has God gifted you uniquely in order that you might be a gift to the world? Perhaps one of the most beautiful things that Jesus offers us in modeling what it is to be fully human is the gift of his limits. Jesus is able to be present and willingly respond because he knows when it's the right time to withdraw and recharge. Now, if you remember, at the end of the passage in verses 15 and 16, it says this. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Even for Jesus, in order to continue to be a healing presence in the world required healthy rhythms of carving out time and space to be present to God. Right, that same God who had spoken over him just a couple chapters back at his baptism. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I wonder if Jesus just needed to get away sometimes and be reminded of that. So where do we find ourselves in this story today? Maybe some of us are actually still back at the camp. We didn't even attempt to make this trip because We've resigned to kind of living closed off and more isolated. We've gotten used to living away from others. It just feels too scary or too hard to pursue something different. Maybe, if we're honest, we're an onlooker here, somebody in the crowd watching this all play out, and we feel very anxious and we are horrified by the audacity of this guy to get so close and possibly infect us all. Doesn't he know the rules? Maybe today some of us feel the desperation of the leper. We desire to break free in some way from labels, from choices that are holding us back, from incorrect beliefs that have formed in us in this season about God or self or others. The leper invites us to boldly bring our full self to God, God who is both able and willing to move towards us. Or maybe today... Some, something was stirred in you by Jesus, maybe compelled by his way of presence in the world. Right? There is so much hard, and the temptation is to look away, to move away, right? to not be present and willing to respond. But Jesus shows us our greatness, who we have the potential to become. So where are you? What is needed in order for you to more fully proclaim, here I am? As you consider this season and how pandemic life has formed you, what do you possibly need to stop or start? What are the rhythms that you need to implement and practice? And I ask you to really consider this, like what is one next step that you can take to cultivate greater presence with God, with yourself, with others. If there's something that's coming to mind, I'd encourage you to like write it down or make note of it, come back to it later. As we close this morning, I just want to say that I wore this shirt on purpose. Maybe that's obvious. I think that many of us actually, like what our next step is simply practicing human contact again signing up for the thing, showing up, maybe giving someone a hug, did you know that hugging for 10 seconds releases oxytocin, a hormone that helps your body fight infections, boost your immune system, and ease depression? And so after the gathering today, I'll be down front like usual and would love to connect with you or pray with you, or maybe today you could just use a hug, and today mine are free. So let's pray together. God, thank you for giving us yourself in Jesus, for the reality of what Jesus tells us about being human, that it is so good and it is so vulnerable. Thank you that you are a God who is very much in touch with all the parts and pieces of what it means to be human. Would we know that? Would we experience that? Would we allow our spirituality to move out of our head and become embodied in every part of us? Would we be aware of how you want to be known in our fullness as a human? And would we respond back out to the world in a more embodied, a more attuned way? Thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.